Well, good morning, everybody. Every Christmas, we see lots of nativity scenes. Probably not enough nativity scenes, but we see a lot of them. You might have one in your living room. You might have one kind of under your tree to demonstrate what the true gift of Christmas really is. And if you have a nativity scene, there's probably a manger, and there's probably a baby in the manger. Now, this happens to be my wife, Mary Ann's baby doll from when she was a little girl. Uh, his name, her name, I guess it's a him. Uh, Toodles is the name. And, um, you know, if you see a baby in the manger, uh, typically, you know, it's not a live nativity scene. So the baby is lifeless. And, you know, you could do this to the baby, you could do that to the baby, and everything's going to be okay. I did do this to a baby one time. Uh, that's me, believe it or not. And then that's our firstborn son, Alan. Um, but listen, what I would like for you to do when you see the baby in the manger, you can take that away now. Uh, what I'd like for you to do when you see the baby in the manger is to go, wait a minute, that's not the way it was. Because there was a real life flesh and blood baby in that manger, right? And because God sent a real live baby, we get new life in Christ. We get this abundant life that Jesus said that he came to give. Uh, God sent his son to live the life we could not live and to die the death that we should have died so we can have the life that we don't really deserve to enjoy. So when you look into a manger, think he wasn't lifeless. He was born so we might have life. Some questions I have for you. Are you truly experiencing the fullness of life that Jesus came to give? Or has something inside you kind of died? Are you living new every day? Or are you just living new some days or a few moments of a day? Are you really living the abundant life? Would people that live with you, close to you, who know you say, man, I, I want what you have. Or are you missing some of the fullness of life that Jesus came to actually give us? I mean, I hope something is kind of stirring inside you a little bit. And you go, man, I want as much of the abundant life as I can possibly get in this fallen world. I want as much of the abundant life as I can possibly get this side of heaven. So what I want us to do today is I want us to take a self-assessment. If you're watching online, you can take a self-assessment with us here. Give yourself a grade from one to seven. Seven being, absolutely, that's me, 100% of the time. One being, nope, <laughs> that's not me. I'm honestly more like Scrooge. All right? So here's the assessment. First, as COVID-19 unfolded, I have been pretty much able to maintain high levels of love, joy, and peace. That's the abundant life. So give yourself a score. Seven, yes. One, Scrooge. Next statement. When difficulties and challenges arise, the people around me would say, 
I tend to exhibit a calm, non-anxious presence. Be honest. You don't have to share your score with anybody. Seven, yes, that's me. One, not so much. Last one. After being at home more in 2020, I have actually become less selfish and more generous. Now, we're going to scroll back through those, and I want you to ask, where where'd I score highest? Which one? It's like, yeah, okay. I mean, maybe you only got a three, but at least it's a high. It's your highest. Thank God for that. And then think about, where did I score lowest? And you might want to whisper a prayer right now, right where you are. Dear God, help me to grow in that area of my life. Open your Bibles today to John chapter 10. Fire up your apps today, John chapter 10, because what we're going to do is we're going to find out more about this abundant life that Jesus came to give. Now, we're in a series called, I'll Be Home for Christmas. And we've been home a lot this year, haven't we? (laughs) Well, why not for Christmas too? (laughs) We're looking at some Bible verses where Jesus actually tells us point blank, specifically, literally, why he came. I mean, if you want to know why Christmas actually happened, then why not listen to the voice of the one who actually came during that first Christmas? And that's what we're going to do. We're going to see why he said he came. See, Jesus longs to make his home or his dwelling place in our hearts through faith. That's what it says in Ephesians 3. So what if being home for Christmas really means that Christ is at home in you to bring you, as we talked about last week, his light, and to bring you, as we're going to talk about today, his life, and to bring you, as we're going to talk about in the future, his love. Today, we're going to focus on the fact Jesus was born that you might have life. So let's look at it. John chapter 10, starting in verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out. And find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Why did you come, Jesus, on that first Christmas? Why were you born in a manger? I have come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. I'm the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So let's face it, this Christmas, most of us have been grieving the loss of some of our life-giving activities, our life-giving relationships, our life-giving experiences. Some of the things this Christmas season might feel to you kind of lifeless, even dead. So I just want to ask you kind of what's dead for you? What's dead in you? Today, we're going to see how Christ's life defeats our death. He was born so that you might have life. I mean, what if starting now, 2021, became the year of abundant living for you? What if? It's possible. Because again, we saw the verse, right? 
I have come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. I did a little study on this phrase in the Greek language. Zoe is the Greek word for life. Parasos is the word for abundantly. And if you put these things together, you get an over and above life, a much more life, a super added to life. That's the kind of life Jesus came to give. And I looked up this uh, verse in a few other versions of the Bible. Uh, The Amplified says, to the full, till it overflows. The Phillips translation, it's far more life than ever before. The, The message says it's more and better life than they ever dreamed of. So my question to you is, come on, is this the life you're living and I got to say, when I was studying this, I'm going, I'm missing some of this, man. And I'm missing a lot of this. Now, it's important for us to know what Jesus means by this and what he doesn't mean by this. Let me talk about what he doesn't mean. He does not mean, I have come that you might have a newer car or a bigger house or a better job. It doesn't mean, I have come so that you might have no covid No hospitalization, no cancer. He doesn't mean I have come so that you never have a relationship challenge. And if you listen to some preachers on TV, the word of faith, prosperity gospel guys, people like Joel Osteen and Paula White, Benny Hinn and Creflo Dollar, you're going to hear that the abundant life is all about health and wealth. The prosperity gospel is about what I can get in this life from God. And for these guys, living the abundant life means that if I will sow seeds of righteousness, enough seeds of righteousness, and if I write enough big checks to their ministries, then God's going to insulate me from pain and hardship and suffering and trial. But the true gospel gives us the kind of life in this life that helps us to prepare for the life to come. Now, let's admit it. We would all like to be richer. Okay, we all really want to be healthy. I think God wired us this way. And we're tempted to think, well, if I've got those things, then I'm really living the life. I've really got the good life. But if this prosperity gospel is true, then Jesus didn't have the abundant life, did he? If the abundant life means health and wealth, why did Jesus have nowhere to lay his head? And why did he end up suffering and dying? The kind of life that Jesus is talking about is the kind of life that has hope in the midst of difficulty, purpose in the midst of adversity, and power and strength and resilience in the midst of trial. This past week, I had the opportunity to look up every single time in the stories about Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I looked up the word life and how Jesus used this word. So let's ask Jesus. Hey, Jesus, when you talk about the abundant life, what are you talking about? First of all, he says, it's an eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And Jesus says it's an uncommon life. Matthew 7, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. He says it's a sacrificial life. 
Matthew 16, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You'll find life by losing it. It's a, it's a generous life. He says, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. It's an unworried life. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And it's an overflowing life. He says, the water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now, if that's true, And it is because Jesus said it was. Abundant life is still available in the midst of COVID. Abundant life is still available in the midst of political division. Abundant life is still available in the midst of social unrest and financial uncertainty and the death of our dreams and even the loss of our loved ones. He was born so we may have life. Even in the midst of... Of death. Have you ever thought about how much death there was in the first century when Jesus came? Last week, Pastor Chad said this. Christ was born into a Roman-occupied and oppressed Israel, a time where Jews were hated, heavily taxed, imprisoned, exploited, and executed. Death. It was a brutal time to live. The average lifespan was between 35 and 40 years of age. And infant mortality rate was around 30%. People only lived to 35. Three out of every 10 babies born died. Jesus brought to the world more life than it had ever known in the context, in the midst of death. And so what does that mean for us? COVID can't take away eternal life. Political Division needn't take away an uncommon life. Racial unrest shouldn't take away a sacrificial life. Financial uncertainty need not take away a generous life. The death of our dreams doesn't have to take away an unworried life. And even the loss of our loved ones does not have to take away an overflowing life. So do you have abundant life? Do you have enough abundant life? Do you have as much abundant life as Jesus came to give you? Uh, The ESV study Bible has a great definition of this life. And it says this, Jesus calls his followers not to a dour, lifeless, miserable existence that squashes human potential, but to a rich, full, joyful life. One overflowing with meaningful activities under the personal favor and blessing of God and in continual fellowship with his people. Is that what you have? And if most of us are honest, we'd say, no, I'm more on the Scrooge side than on the, yeah, I got that. The abundant life isn't about how much we have or how long we live, but how much we give and how well we live. So how do I access this abundant life in Christ? I got three big ideas for you today. First, be part of his flock. Two, trust in his death. And three, feed on his food. So first, be part of his flock. Now, we just came through a political season of identity politics. People want to belong somewhere. 
I'm pro-mask. I'm anti-mask. I'm for pursuing racial justice. Now, we already got racial justice in America. I'm for Biden. I'm for Trump. Identity politics. We want to belong somewhere. And you know what? We do need an identity. I think God has created us to want to belong somewhere. And here's what Jesus says. If you want more life, be part of my flock. That's where you need to belong. That's your identity. Verse 7, John 10. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. He's saying, I'm the gateway to life. And if you want this life that I'm talking about here, you need to become one of my lambs. And it kind of reminds me of what Jesus says in John chapter 14, where he goes, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father unless he comes through me. He's the door. He's the gate. He's the way to life. So, so on this side of the door, let's say I've got a door right here. And on this side of the door, there's death. On this side of the door, there's life. On this side of the door, I don't have a shepherd. On this side of the door, Jesus is my good shepherd. On this side of the door, uh, I don't have an identity. I'm not part of anything. I'm not part of a flock. Over here, I'm part of his flock. Over here, I'm like a goat. Over here, I'm one of his lambs. Over here, to use language from last week, I'm in the dark. Over here, I'm in the light. So my question to you today, my question to you online is where are you? Are, are you here or are you here? I mean, it, people in Northeast Ohio is like, hey, when you ask a question like that, it's like, oh, I, I, I've just kind of always been a follower of Christ. I've always been a Christian. Not a good answer. Because you're either here or here. There's got to be some movement. You're not just like always here. You didn't, we weren't born here. Everybody was born over here. And you've got to go through the door, through the gate, through Jesus to become part of the flock. Where are you? See, something happens when you go from here to here. Your identity changes. You go from ignoring his voice to hearing his voice. From not following him to following him. His life gives us life. He's born so that you might have life. How do I access this abundant life? Be part of his flock. Second, trust in his death. Trust in his death. This is kind of paradoxical, right? His death gives us life. Our life comes through his death. The great 17th century pastor, John Owen, said it this way. The death of death is through the death of Christ. And Jesus says in verse 11, I'm the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. So when a wolf comes to kill a lamb, the shepherd fights the wolf and is willing to die if necessary. Well, Jesus 
It was necessary for Jesus to die. Why did he die? Not only was he born so that we may have life, he died so that we may have life. And later in this chapter, he says, I'm going to lay down my life and then I'm going to take it up again. He was raised so that we may have life. I mean, let's just go back to the very beginning. God gave us everything that we have. We owe everything to him. Every good thing that you've ever experienced in your life, every smile you saw on a baby's face that warmed your heart, every sunset that you fought, every beach you walked on, every mountain you climbed and you looked out over the vista, every warm connection you've had with another human being, it all came from God. All came from God. He's been amazingly kind to us. And we're utterly dependent on him as the creator for every step we take, every breath we breathe. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our obedience. He's worthy of our love. But we have failed him miserably. Instead of humbly submitting to his rule over our lives, we have rebelled against him. The Bible calls it sin. Our lives have been a constant display of self-rule and self-reliance. And we should pay for this rebellion against this kind, loving, gracious, good God. We shook our fists in his face and said, I'm going my own way. The Bible says... The soul that sins should die. And the wages of sin is death. That's where we are. Right here in our natural state. Separated from God. However, God did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. In His great love, He sent His own Son into the world that first Christmas so that He would grow up and die on a cross and pay for our sins instead of us. No one has ever loved you like that. Just Jesus. I mean, he's like the judge who is right to look at us and say, you're guilty and condemned. But then he gets up off the judicial bench and says, but I'm going to pay for your crime. So his crucified death was the death of death. For us, And his resurrected life was the birth of life for us. Because three days after he died, he rose again. And he gives life to everybody who trusts in his death and believes in his resurrection and makes him Lord of their lives. In John chapter 5, Jesus said this. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. And does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Trust in his death. See, this is what it means to be born again. To move from here to here is what it means to be born again. But so many people that I talk to are afraid of that term. It's like, well, I don't want to be one of those born again Christians. Yes, you do. <laughs> Think about it. If you're born once, you're going to die twice. But if you're born twice, you only die once. 
Everybody was born physically. That's born once. But if you're not also born spiritually, you're going to die a physical death, and then you're going to die the second death, which is a spiritual death, a separation from God forever in hell. And that's why Jesus says in John chapter 3, you must be born again. Be born physically and be born spiritually. And when that happens, you may die physically, but you won't die the second death. You won't die spiritually forever. So if you're born once, you die twice. But if you're born twice, you die once. And Jesus says this way in John chapter 11. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me, though he were to die physically, yet shall he live spiritually. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die spiritually. Born once, die twice. Born twice, die once. And maybe you're here today and you're going, I need this eternal life. I need this abundant life. I don't have enough life. I need to move from here to here. I'm afraid that my life is really here and I want to be over here. I want Jesus to be my shepherd. And if that's your heart's desire, there's a prayer we're going to put on the screen here. And it says, Dear Lord Jesus, I recognize that my life is characterized by death. So just pray that prayer in your heart silently right here. You don't have to close your eyes Get all religious. Just reach out to God. I recognize that my life is characterized by death. I admit that I'm dead in my trespasses and sins. I turn from my sin. And I want the life that you came to give. So please give me new life in Christ. I trust in your death on the cross. You laid down your life for me. And you took it up again. Make me part of your flock. Help me feed on your food. And bring me from death to everlasting life. If you're online and you've prayed that prayer, or just want to find out more about what it means to pray that prayer, or if you're in this room and and your heart's been beating a little bit faster because you go, that's what I need, then text the word Jesus to 440 276-5575 because we want to help you grow in your walk with Christ. His life gives us life. He was born so that we may have life. How do I access this life? Be part of His flock. Trust in His death. Third, feed on His food. Feed on His food. Now think about it. We're always taking in something. You're, You're feeding right now this morning. But this is just like one hour a week. What are you feeding on the rest of the time? On the news? On Facebook? Conversations with friends? See, all this intake can work for us to give us life. But it can work against us and create death where there could be life. And no wonder Jesus wants us to feed on his food. Look what he says in verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. So you move from here to here. And then you're going to go in and out and find pasture. I'm going to take you so that you can eat good food. If you follow me. 
and if you listen to my voice. See, a good shepherd leads the flock to good pasture, away from poisonous plants, away from toxic foods. Why? Because I want my flock to flourish. He doesn't want them to die. And that's true for the good shepherd. That's true for Jesus. So we got to feed on his food, his pasture. There's a whole lot of stuff out there in this world that is toxic. Voices that steal and kill and destroy. And that's right where some of us are. Because of what we've been feeding our souls. So let me explain how this works. I hear voices. Okay? Now before you send me to a psychiatrist, uh, let me say you hear voices too. Because we all have these soundtracks that we play over and over in our heads. And really, we're really good. We're really experts at talking trash to ourselves. We have learned how to speak words of death to ourselves. You're a fraud. You're a spiritual loser. If they knew where you've been and what you've done... Nobody would like you. Nobody would listen to you. Nobody would want to be around you. You'd lose all your friends. You'll never measure up. You're a disappointment. Do you ever say any of those kinds of things to yourself? I do. These are words of death from our enemy. And for some reason, we hang on to these words over and over again and again. In spite of all that God has done for us in Jesus Christ to give us life, sometimes we choose to believe the messages of death. So I want you to brainstorm with me today. What words, what voices do we listen to that actually bring us the message of death? Brainstorm with me. So shout it out. Got to shout it loudly and clearly so I can hear it through your masks. Let's build a list. You ready? What do we hear? Where do we get those bad... I'm sorry? Pop radio. Oh, talk radio. All right, put pop radio up too. Why not? Talk radio. Oh, ouch. What else? CNN. CNN. <laughs> now we're going to name names. <laughs> look, look, why don't you just go ahead and put Fox up there too, just for the heck, just for the heck of it. Fake news, okay, fake news. Keep going, keep going. Social media. Oh, we got Instagram. We got Facebook. We got Twitter. We got TikTok. What else? Politicians. How about voices from the past? Most of us have some mother wounds, some father wounds, some coach wounds, some teacher wounds. Voices from the past. Things that they said, you'll never amount to anything. What am I going to do with you? I wish you were more like your brother or sister. Uh, look at that list. I mean, we could keep going, right? What, what, which one on this list gives you the biggest problem? Jesus says, feed on my food. 
This morning, I want to introduce you to a way to read the Bible so we can more and more find life from the words of Jesus. And I'm going to introduce you to a simple little devotional method that I've been using for years so that I can hear words of life from Jesus. So, you know, I've got my little journal here. It's the Live New Journal. And the method that I use is L-I-V-E. The L stands for learn. So you read a passage of scripture and you pick one verse out and write it down. Simple as that. The I stands for investigate. So you just begin to think and process and ponder the verse. What does it mean? What does it mean to me? The V is for value. How will I show God I value this as I apply it to my life? And the E stands for express. So how will I express to God a prayer based on what I've learned today? It's pretty simple. It doesn't have to be a real long exercise, but I want to illustrate this today. So, you know, we have words of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the books of the Bible, the stories of Jesus. And I've got my red letter edition right here. Jesus' words are in red in this particular edition of the Bible. So somebody just call out Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 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 All right. Thank you. All right. In the book of John... Uh, the words of Jesus are actually between chapter 1 and chapter 21. So uh, somebody shout out a number between 1 and 21. 14? All right, thank you. I heard 14. Okay. Uh, To help me, because chapter 14 is basically, I, I know that chapter, everything in that chapter is red letter. So therefore, uh, Shout out beginning, middle, end. Uh-oh. I, I heard end and middle. Middle I heard loudest. We'll go with the middle. All right. So I'm just going to read a little bit in 14, and then I'm just going to pick out a verse in the middle of that chapter. Jesus says in verse 23, All who love me will do what I say, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and live with them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not do what I say. And remember, my words are not my own. This message is from the Father who sent me. I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the counselor as my representative, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I myself have told you. All right, so the verse that I'm kind of drawn to out of this section is verse 23. So the L is learn. So I'm going to write this verse down because I want to lock it in a little bit more. So all those who love me will do what I say. And my Father will love them and will come to them. And live with them. All right, I'll write down the verse. That's John 7, uh, 14, 23. All right, now I put the I here. And I'm going to kind of investigate. I'm going to kind of ponder this passage. So all means all. That's all. All means And that means me. 
I can access these truths. All who love me, do I really love God? How can I know? All who love me will do what I say. How can I know? By my obedience. Every time I don't obey, I display a lack of love for my Lord. But still, He invites me to seek to obey again. And I have a desire to do so. So, fan into a flame my love for you. And I will love them and will come to them and live with them. You long to love on me, to come to me and live with me and in me. All right, now I'm going to write the value. How am I going to demonstrate that I value this passage through my obedience? How can I apply this to my life? When, not if, I disobey, remind yourself that it's a failure of love. But remember, the invitation to be loved and to find life in God is still available. All right, I'm running out of room, but I got to write a prayer. Dear Lord God, this is the E part. My Heavenly Father, I usually write every prayer kind of that way, <laughs> start it that way. I want to remind myself of how awesome God is, but that yeah, He's my Father. Forgive me for my lack of love. But thank you for continuing to love me. in spite of. Help me access more of your life. There it is. I don't know how long that took. And usually I put a little title at the top of this. All those who love me will do what I say. 
And I will love them and will come to them and live. There's our word. Live with them. I just have a question. If I'm scrolling Amazon, looking for the next stupid thing to buy, or if I'm looking through Instagram and I'm comparing my crummy life with all these beautiful people, because nobody puts bad stuff on Instagram, right? Or if I'm spending time letting Jesus speak wonderful words of life to me, which one's, which one's going to bless me the most? If I'm watching the latest and greatest on Netflix and the body count is like 122, or I'm spending time with Jesus, which is going to give me the most life? You want life from Christ? Be part of his flock. Trust in his death. Feed on his food. He sets before us life and death. Which would you choose? He says, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. So, this Christmas, when you see the nativity and you see the manger and you see an inanimate object in it, remind yourself, that's not the way it was. God sent a real live flesh and blood baby who would live the life I could never live, who would die the death that I should have died, who rose from the grave, and who says, if you believe in me, even though you were dead in your trespasses and sins, I will give you life, and I will give it abundantly. He was born so that we might have life. Father in heaven, I thank you that you have given us the opportunity today to just reflect on these amazing words from Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that you would pour more and more of your life into our lives, that we would be more and more open to you. You have said that if we will listen to your voice and follow you, that you will take us to green pastures and still waters, and you will restore our souls. And so we come to you as broken people today. We come to you as lifeless people today apart from you. And what we want is more of the life of Christ. So I pray that we would be people who will get as much of the life of Christ as is possible on this side of heaven. As much of the life of Christ as is possible in this fallen world. And that as we have this life, people would notice it. Like, what's up with you? Why, 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 why the big smile? Why the bounce in your step? Why the song in your heart? And we can say, 
It's Jesus. My good shepherd. Make it so, Lord. In Jesus' name.